Those of you of a certain age might remember a rather couple famous stories about President George H.W. Bush, Bush 41. As he was running for re-election in 1992, which by the way was the year I was born, just to make you all feel old, <laughs> he, went to, he went to a grocer convention. And as he was going through this convention, he was amazed at the technology of, you know, of, of, a, of a grocer line, of a checkout line, of that you actually scan you know, a barcode and you write your name on the little pad for your credit card. And he was amazed at this. He had never seen anything like it. And his aides had to whisper to him, Mr. President, that technology has been around since the mid-70s. You haven't been to a grocery store in 12 years, being a president for four years and vice president for eight. And even later on in a debate, he admitted that he didn't really know the price of a gallon of milk. And his opponents pounced on this. They were like, oh, the president lives in a bubble. He lives in a bubble. Well, it's true. He obviously doesn't go to the supermarket. That would be a security nightmare. But that was a big part of his defeat for re-election in 1992, that he lived somehow in a bubble, and that many, and many people pointed to those specific incidents as evidence that the president lived in a bubble. No one wants to live in a bubble, brothers and sisters. It has connotations of isolation, aloofness, staying in our comfort zone, not caring enough about what's in front of us, that we're unaffected by what's going on outside of our world. And everyone can fall into this. Everyone, no matter their worldview or no matter their way of life. I lived in a bubble for seven years. It's called seminary. I once had to tell one of my brother seminarians what the song Call Me Maybe was. He had no idea what that song was. I just like, you're, you're living in a bubble, buddy. And even here in Cottleville a little bit, in St. Charles County, I've, it's kind of a self-contained ecosystem a little bit. You know, I almost have to force myself to go out once in a while to visit my family or to visit friends. And in my nearly two years here at Cottleville, I've kind of discovered another bubble of sorts that is easy to fall into. Whether we intend to or not, I think it's one that's popped up a little bit over the years. And I'm referring to the bubble of avoiding talking about racism or the many issues that we face here in our metro area, here in St. Louis. And being here in Cottleville, I think, in a way, can sort of isolate us from the realities that many people face around our archdiocese. And events, certainly, in recent years in St. Louis have called to attention the continued racial tension that exists in our community. But it's more than even just the last few years, because this goes back to the earliest days of our country where we have uh, unfortunately had discrimination against indigenous peoples, Asians, Latinos, Japanese Americans, and others, but probably most profoundly and extensively in the trafficking, enslavement, and segregation of African Americans and the lingering effects that that has on our community and on our country today. And in spite of the progress that has been made in our country and in our world, there are still many, many people who experience racism. Racism can be personal, it can be institutional, and it can be social. It can be learned from others or it can be born from the ignorance of not interacting with people of different cultures. It can be aggravated by selective outrage at some forms of discrimination, but silent support of others. And so what should be a great strength for our community and our country, the diversity of experiences, backgrounds, and cultures, what should be a great strength has unfortunately turned into a hindrance to unity 
and continues to cause pain in people's lives that is very, very real. Now you might say, sure, yes, racism exists. I, I agree with that, and, and that's good. That's a good start. But if that's our only response, then it does very little to get to the heart of the issue, of, to wh of why these sins exist. It can prevent us from really actively listening, going through the trouble of interacting and getting to the heart of the issue. It can be very easy to feel that coming to Cottleville is a way to escape the problems of other parts of town, that they somehow don't apply to us. But we cannot be blind, brothers and sisters. It does no good to observe racism and its effects from a distance, from our own little bubbles. It is imperative, as Catholics, that we work to end these destructive, discriminatory, and morally repugnant sins against human dignity. We cannot let our concern for our well-being here in Cottleville become so misguided that we become distrustful or wary against those not from this area with less economic means or who don't look like us. We can't let individual experiences turn into a distrust of an entire group of people. Because that distrust and that resentment and wariness comes from one source, and that is Satan himself. Our faith, needless to say, and we know this, brothers and sisters, our faith has no room for racism. None. And I think the solution to the tension in our community comes from a rediscovery of our covenant with God that was alluded to in our first reading today. Because God enters into a relationship with us, not just individually, while that's certainly one dimension, he enters into a relationship with us collectively, as a group, as a shared humanity. And we enter into this holy covenant by our baptism, where we are made sons and daughters of God and brothers and sisters in Christ. Baptism is the great equalizer of all humankind. We are equal in our baptism, brothers and sisters as members of the body of Christ. And as members of the body of Christ, we know that a sin against one is a sin against the entire body. So we must rediscover our solidarity with our brothers and sisters who experience racism today. And that means going out of our comfort zone a little bit and eradicating these attitudes of distrust and resentment, whether they be in our hearts, in our own conversations with others, or in our community as a whole. And we should do this not so that we can just feel good about ourselves or, you know, be appreciative of what we have, because really that doesn't accomplish anything. Real solidarity means looking out for those who are oppressed, knowing their stories and knowing their struggles. This is actually something I experienced firsthand during my third year of, uh, of graduate school and seminary, my third year of theology. We get parish assignments every year, and we just really go there on Sundays. In my third year of theology, I was assigned to a very small parish in the inner city of St. Louis, in a really, really rough neighborhood. It's only about 300 families, so you can imagine coming from 300 families from out here to Cottleville. And to say that it was out of my comfort zone and I had to get out of my bubble was an understatement. It was really, really difficult for me those first few weeks because it was so different than anything I had ever experienced in my life. But by the end of that year, that had become my favorite assignment I had ever taken in seminary. I learned more in that year than all of my previous years combined. 
was because I listened to the struggle that many of my parishioners had, which included their youth group, an all-black youth group, experiencing a hostile welcome on a bus trip from one of our own Catholic high schools to, of all places, the March for Life on Washington, D.C. I learned a lot listening to my parishioners that year. I learned about the universality of the covenant that we share and how truly the sufferings of one are the sufferings of the entire body. So brothers and sisters, this Lent, this day, may we have the courage to confront offenses against the dignity of the human person, and particularly today, the sins of racism, to go outside of our comfort zone and not be people who live in a bubble, but people who live in a covenant with God and with our brothers and sisters in Christ.